Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. That is his second best-selling single of all time, Rockville's very own Rocket. Gene Pitney singing The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. A big hit for him in 1961, written by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. I mean, he had just gotten out of high school, that kid. Gene Pitney in 1959 graduated from Rockville High. And two years later, he's at the top of the charts, not just here in Connecticut, but across the country. He was an international hit, too. And that was his second best-selling single of all time, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. I like The Underdog. I could have played his best-selling single, Only Love Can Break a Heart, but I chose not to, right? Because I'm different. This talk show's different. That's what this is all about. We're breaking the mold, okay? I'm Morgan Cunningham. It's Spotlight Connecticut. And one day I'll do a show all about Gene Pitney. I don't know when I'll do it. Don't hold me to it because I've already committed to making it happen. But I don't know exactly when it will happen. Um, because I, I just, I'm so moved by his story as a local hero who rose to such fame. Believe me, when I was at the Vernon Historical Society this week, I got to hold a 1959 Rockville High School yearbook. I turned the page and I found Gene Pitney, and it was so moving. So, yes, I will one day do a show on Gene Pitney, but today we are going to stay in Vernon for another homegrown hero. Another guy who beat incredible odds and became pretty well-known, fell into obscurity, but has had a resurgence of interest here in Connecticut locally. I'm talking about artist Charles Ethan Porter who was born in Hartford originally before moving to Vernon, grew up in the Civil War era as an African-American, ended up somehow befriending Mark Twain, getting to New York City, going to Paris, back to Vernon, selling his work, teaching students, becoming a local inspiration. And I hope that you know me by now that I'm not here to feed you bogus. I'm not here to feed you hype. I will tell it to you straight. I will be honest. Before I got a tip about Charles Ethan Porter and a class that was done recently about him at the Vernon Historical Society where I visited to get all of this information for the talk show, I had never heard of the guy. That's right. I didn't know that there was a story of such American exceptionalism. I didn't know that there was a story of the American dream to the extent that Charles Ethan Porter lived it in Vernon going back to the 1800s, an African-American man who beat all odds against him, found some level of success, shared his craft with the community, was welcomed and accepted by the community. I think it's a beautiful story, and I hope that you'll join me because this week we are hopping in that time machine. We are going to the 1800s, and we are learning about Charles Ethan Porter. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm Kevin in Seymour, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Jean Luddy is our guest this week on Spotlight Connecticut. She's with the Vernon Historical Society. I'm Morgan Cunningham. Jean, great to have you on the program. My pleasure. Thank you for getting in touch with me. Jean, why don't you tell everybody what you do here at VHS? So I'm the museum director, and I manage the museum, manage the collection, um, assist people with research questions. Um, that's pretty much it. You must have been part of this whole organization for a long time. I believe you told me it's been a few decades. I'm looking around the room and I'm just seeing plenty of history, well-preserved, well-documented throughout the facility. How long have you been part of this all? I've been a volunteer for about 30 years, and when I started, I worked with our previous museum director, Dr. Artis Abbott, 
who really is the one that has made the Historical Society the place that it is today. She did a lot of uh, studying on her own, took classes, and learned how to manage a museum and set up the policies and procedures of how we take care of the things that come in. We wrap all our photographs in acid-free paper. We put our costumes and clothing and textiles in acid-free tissue. Um, all the best practices to try to preserve these things to make them valuable and usable for future generations. You guys do a number of programs throughout the year at the Vernon Historical Society, Gene. One of them just recently was on an artist that people probably don't know about here in Vernon, let alone in Connecticut, although there has been some new interest in Charles Ethan Porter, who died 100 years ago this year. He was an artist that had some really formidable access for being a black artist in the 1800s and early 1900s. He really did get around. He made his name known, and you did a program all about him and his history and his life started in Hartford. It didn't start in Vernon, correct? Yes, he was born in Hartford. He came from a family, he was the sixth child of 10 children. Um, his father was a freeman, possibly of biracial ancestry. And his father, William Henry, was born in Belchertown, Massachusetts. Over time, he worked as a farmer, a laborer, a teamster, a butcher, a railroad, and a railroad watchman. His mother, Mary Dolphin, lived in Ellington, Connecticut, her paternal grandfather was Native American Ned Dolphin, and she has African-American ancestry on her maternal side, and her maternal grandfather fought in the American Revolution. Before her marriage, Mary worked as a servant. While raising her family, she hired out to do laundry or housekeeping and was known to be an avid reader. The Porters married September 2, 1838 in Vernon. They lived in Hartford in East Hartford before returning to Vernon by 1860. So they were a uh, biracial family. They bought land on Spruce Street in Rockville in 1857, and William Porter paid $35 toward the $75 price. The land was paid off and the home was built by William Porter between 1875 and 1879. And the house is still there. It's still a family home. Um, in the 1857, 1850 census, there were two black families in town. By 1860, the Porters became the third family. You're growing up in Vernon, Connecticut. You're a person of color. It's the Civil War time period. In fact, the Porter family, just to help make some connections here and bridge some gaps and keep things moving, they had had a number of people who had died of medical issues at that time, not uncommon. There were also some folks who served in the family in the Civil War. So there had to have been a push, I would imagine, for Charles Ethan Porter to become something just to prove everybody wrong that, in fact, they can make something of themselves. So you can see why, according to family story, Charles's mother felt that she really wanted him to finish high school and because he would have, could have been of age to go off to war. So he was the first one of his family to graduate from high school. And in Vernon, there was, a, in Rockville, there was a high school. And it was not the Rockville High School that was chartered later, but it was secondary education. So his um, Porter's talent was recognized at a very young age, very artistic. Um, as a teen, he did odd jobs to pay for his drawing lessons in 1862 when he was 14 and in 1864 when he was 16. 
I just love this story about how he's this guy, virtually unknown, given very few chances to succeed in life at this time in the United States, yet he's pushing forward to make it happen. He um, he did work and, you know, tried to raise money to help the family and to, to get his lessons, but they wanted him to go on and get additional education. Well, he went to art school. He was actually able to raise money to attend art school in New York City, which was quite, quite the big thing. Um, his siblings ended up working, you know, working in the mills. His siblings are working in the mills. He's going to school in New York City. What kind of dollars and cents are we talking about? Um, he did a lot of tutoring. He would tutor local kids in art. So that was one thing he did. I, they also think that some local families may have helped him to be able to go to art school. Okay. Um, the other thing that he did was he would sell his art. And um, there was actually an instance where they had a special... Um, fundraiser in town to help raise up money for him to go to school. In these earliest years while he's down in New York, did he have any kind of a studio? Did he have a gallery for people to go and explore? Did he rent space somewhere where he got all of his work done? Let's see, I'm looking at some other things that he did. He had a studio in 1874 and taught kids. Um, And then in 1874, he also displayed a painting in Townsend's Drugstore and people thought that was a very, you know, they thought that the $125 was a, they called it a reasonable price. A reasonable price. Yeah, isn't that cool? In 1874. So then in uh, November of 1874, the First Congregational Church of Rockville put on a musical entertainment to raise money for him to go study painting. Dean Luddy, our guest with the Vernon Historical Society, they went to that extent? For Charles Ethan Porter, the artist? Yes, they did, yeah. So, because he, yeah, it's interesting. He was able to stand out in the community as a talent worth supporting. So they had this musical entertainment. Um, 150 tickets were sold. And um, afterwards, Porter wrote a thank you note where he said that $63 was raised toward his tuition. (laughs) Wow, 63 bucks. Yeah, isn't that something? So... He, um, so he left Rockville and went to um, New York City. He studied at the um, National Academy of Design. Then afterwards, he went to Hartford and began to sort of seek his fortune as an artist, which is hard to do anyway for a young person to, be, to go into the arts. Especially, though, if you're in New York City, because this isn't Rockville anymore we're talking about, Gene. That's right, and to be an artist of color at that time as well was challenging. You're bringing up race again. We've brought it up a few times in the program, but I really have to ask, when he was living in Vernon, Connecticut, did he face a lot of those racial challenges? He did, and I think that, um, I, I know that it's it's one of the books that I consulted said that if a family had stayed in Hartford, he would not have been able to attend Hartford High School. It was segregated at that point. Um, you had to pay tuition to go. You had to pass entrance exams. So he got a much better education living in Rockville. Okay, getting back on track, he's in New York City. He set up a studio, and he began to paint what were called, and I can't say it in French, but the kind of trick-the-eye paintings, extremely realistic. He would paint um, things like, he did a lot of still-life paintings, fruits, flowers, um, compositions of maybe a vase, and then some things scattered around it. Um, he liked, he also painted a little insects, which um, people kind of liked as well, but very, very Intricate. Very intricate. And when you see some of his work from this period, 
the, um, he was known for putting like a sheen on the apples. He would paint series of like apples scattered about on straw. The straw has an almost, the gold of the straw is, is beautiful. He just had a, a keen eye for painting so realistically. And that was the kind of art that people really liked in Hartford. Did he stay in New York and continue to hone his craft? Because he did make his way back to Vernon, but what was next in his career? By the late 1870s, early 1880s, he'd kind of decided that he needed to go to France because that's where art was happening. You know, there was, um, you wanted to know the cutting edge stuff, you go to Paris. So, of course, to him to be able to raise money for that would be, was a challenge. So he ended up having, um, we were able to track Porter through the newspapers, the Rockville papers. And so he was, he would come back to town periodically. He'd often come back in the summer to get ideas for his art and go out and, and uh, travel around and you know do some sketching but he also would send little newsy bits about you know being in an exhibit or before he went to Paris he put a lot of his art on sale trying to sell as much as possible and he became friendly with Samuel Clemens aka Mark Twain and uh, when Porter was ready to go to Paris Twain was that while Twain was here in Connecticut in, in, in Hartford, Hartford? Yes. okay so that would be the connection there and um, Twain did write him some letters of introduction to people that he knew in France. So equipped with those, Porter was able to go to Paris. About how long was he there? About two years in Paris and um, also out in the countryside. And he did a lot of the painting outside as well as he still did still lifes and things, but his artwork changed. The art is not as crisp as complete realism, but the brushwork is different, more use of light, the colors are different. So he did pick up these new um, new trends. And when he came back to uh, New York City in 1885, because whoever wants to leave France, but he had to, he uh, opened up a studio and created for about five years his really his masterpieces. They are, they're still still life paintings but they are just, um, the brushwork is exquisite, the lighting, the, just the detail. And I invite people to go online and you can look up Porter's paintings. There's a couple of them, I think at New Britain. Um, there was a recent exhibit that had one or two at the Florence Griswold Museum. And you can really see what I'm talking about. But uh, his, his work was amazing. Gene Luddy, our guest from the Vernon Historical Society. Not only are we talking about the work and the art, people are interested in it. They went to see your program at the Vernon Historical Society, delving into all of the history that is Charles Ethan Porter. What was the competition like in the art scene in Connecticut around the time that Charles Ethan Porter was living? So the late 1800s, early 1900s. I'm not sure. I do remember reading that at that time, the, you start to see the opening up of the art establishment. So you have to have galleries, you have agents, you have to be out putting yourself out there. You don't have the patrons like, you know, the art patrons like in the past. So Porter would have to get a lot of like appearances in the art world to be able to sell his work. And being an artist of color, it was a lot harder for him. He had to self-market himself, you know, his work, whereas other artists might have been able to get like an art agent and this and, and get invitations to show in galleries. So there was it was more of an uphill struggle for him. He's in New York, he went to Paris and then elsewhere in France. 
Yet he still kept coming back to Rockville, Connecticut. He was anchored here in Rockville. Kind of reminds me even of Gene Pitney. He became so famous in the world. Still came back to Rockville, Connecticut. He would still come back to Rockville to do his, his get his inspiration for, uh, he spend the summers, close the studio down over the winter. And, um, he, you know, he closed the studio over the summer and then he'd come back and open it up in the winter. But he um, still did tutoring. And by that point, he was living in his the house his parents had built. We're talking about Spruce Street in Vernon, right? That big hill? Quite a steep climb. Um, but anyway, he there was an ad in the papers that Charles E. Porter artist, Tower House, Fox Hill. So he would instruct people in painting and drawing. So he kept his hand in. In addition to selling his art, he would then tutor. And I will quickly digress a little bit, but Porter's home is still there. But behind the hill on Fox Hill, his studio was at the basement, what was the first floor building, what was left over from a tower that at one point was on Fox Hill. Porter's sister, one of his sisters married a woman who, a guy who was an entrepreneur from um, Connecticut who had the land on Fox Hill. He built a tower, an observation tower called Jeffrey's Tower in the 1870s. And it was a, it was on, like a rectangular room, then the tower went up and you could climb up the tower and look at the view. We, we now have the War Memorial Tower, which was down, it's down a little bit from where the Jeffries Tower was. But the Jeffries Tower, the guy was, was truly an entrepreneur because you could um, climb up the tower and, and see the view. And then they had fireworks during the 4th of July for a couple of years. Um, they sold ice cream, they had admissions. Um, but then by, I think, the 1870s, 1880s, there was a snowstorm and the tower was knocked down. So it was not rebuilt. But it, over time, Porter readapted the bottom room, and that became a studio. So people who wanted to study with Porter would walk up Spruce Street, go to Porter's house, walk up the hill, and come to the studio. And that was how he kind of, another way he made a living. It sounds like everybody knew where Charles Ethan Porter lived in Vernon. It sounded like he was this inspirational character in town that people could go to. They could get art. They could get a little lesson. They could get some inspiration. He was kind of a homegrown hero, if you will. Went to New York, went to Paris, came back to Vernon, never gave up on art. Yes, I believe so, partly because his family lived next door. His, the house next door was, was built by his brother-in-law and sister, and Henry Vaness was an interesting man, came to Rockville, worked on the railroad, started out as, as like a baggage handler, but then worked his way up to become a conductor, which was very unusual for an African-American at the time. So, you know, Porter's family were, were hard workers and, and had some made, made some significant achievements. So I think Porter's had that comfort of being surrounded by the support of his family. This week on Spotlight Connecticut, our guest is Gene Luddy of the Vernon Historical Society. We're talking about Vernon artist Charles Ethan Porter. Did you know that Vernon had this kind of history? We'll be back. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. If Connecticut had an Andy Warhol, it might just be Charles Ethan Porter. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight Connecticut, and we will return to our conversation with the Vernon Historical Society all about what Charles Ethan Porter did for the Vernon community, who he was, and why we are remembering him 100 years after his passing. First, I have to address what happened in Hartford last weekend. It was hockey night in Hartford. It happened at the Excel Center, and WTIC News Talk 1080 was there. 
We gave out about 100 tickets to listeners, and they showed up. And if you missed it, you missed it, and that is your fault because it was an amazing time. I wasn't there for the hockey. I think that everybody knows I'm not a sports fan. In fact, I'm sports stupid. I barely know anything about sports. I'm not afraid to admit it. But I have to tell you, it was more than just a sporting game for these people. These listeners came because they are fans of WTIC News Talk 1080. Yeah, they wanted to watch the game. They wanted to see the Wolf Pack. They wanted to get a cheeseburger, a beer, whatever it may be. But they also wanted to meet us. They wanted to put aside whatever it is that divides us during the week. Because on the talk shows, of course, we're talking about hard issues. Hard issues that face our country, that face our nation, that face our world. But for a little chunk of time on this Saturday evening, last Saturday, we were able to put all of that aside. It never came up. I didn't talk about anything that I talk about on my talk show or in the news. None of that. Instead, you know what I heard? I heard gratefulness. I heard thankfulness from our listeners. Kindness. They're just so kind. Like Sue in Rocky Hill. She has 1080 on all the time at her house. All the time. If she's up in the middle of the night, it's on. She gets home in the afternoon, it's on. Wakes up in the morning, she can hear us. We're so much a part of her life, and it's not just her. It's other people as well. I appreciate that kind of devotion and listenership, whatever it might be. I appreciate how we can all get together and just be ourselves. It was a magical time. Next time we get together... Hopefully you'll join us. I don't know when that will be. I don't know what it will be. I know that there are some talks and some plans underway to put something together for the summer. I know at least with Brian and company, I'd like to do something with Spotlight Connecticut. Maybe a live broadcast somewhere. Maybe something summery, if that's a word. But uh, we will be reconnecting with our listeners again soon. And I do hope that you'll take part in that because our listeners are great. And, um, and listeners are meeting themselves for the first time too. Uh, and, and they share a common bond. Um, so it is a great family reunion kind of thing. And if you go on our social medias, our Instagram, our Facebook, all of that, you'll see some of the pictures from Hockey Night in Hartford. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight Connecticut, and we are going to return to our time travel back to the 1800s, early 1900s, in Vernon, Connecticut, with Charles Ethan Porter. We'll continue. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, it's Nadine in Clinton. I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. He was born in Hartford. He then moved to Vernon, Connecticut, spent some time in New York City, went to Paris, back to Vernon. And yeah, by the way, when he was in New York and when he was in Paris, France, and some other parts of the French countryside, he still traveled back to Vernon to get inspiration. Who am I talking about? If you're just joining us, we're talking about Charles Ethan Porter, an artist from the turn of the 20th century who was kind of a homegrown, hometown hero in the town of Vernon. And we're learning about him. He died 100 years ago this year. He was African-American, and to have the success that he did, even though he did die poor, and he died in obscurity until like the last 30 years or so, being the fact that he was an African-American at that point in our history and had the success that he did is just absolutely phenomenal. Our guest is Jean Luddy. She is the executive director of the Vernon Historical Society. Before we get back to talking about Charles, I just want to ask you a little bit about VHS how does your society, the Vernon Historical Society, differ from other historical societies in Connecticut? Because not every town has one, but of the towns that do, of the cities that do, 
What is so special about the Vernon one? We are a research-based historical society, and we have collected materials relating to the history of Vernon and Rockville. We have a wonderful collection of photographs. Uh, we have a lot of the textiles, samples from the mills. There were, at one point, 12 textile mills in Rockville, so we have collected materials having to do with that. And um, our collections are pretty strong for the 1800s and early 20th century. We're always looking for things to show the change of Vernon from a farming community to a suburban community. Uh, people have tended to collect and save a lot of Rockville things, but we are very interested in, in Vernon things as well because the story of Rockville and Vernon is like many mill communities that evolved with when the mills closed, then we we had to shift and become, uh, there was suburban development, you know, different changes. So I think we are similar to a lot of um, industrial types of towns and how we've handled our history. Great information, Gene. Everybody check out the Vernon Historical Society. Now back to Charles Ethan Porter. Throughout the program, we've pretty much painted a picture of a man who grew up locally, who grew up in a situation where he wasn't necessarily given the chance to succeed, but yet he found a way to succeed. He loved art. He was fascinated by it to the point where he wanted to do it in his free time. He wanted to study it further. He went to New York. He went to France, made all of that happen, despite being a person of color who, in the late 1800s, that was a difficult thing to do. Let's just be honest. I'm curious about the later years of his life, because he did die in obscurity. He did die in poverty. How did he get to that point if he was so successful in the earlier years of his life? By the 1890s, Porter um, does not keep a studio very long in, um, in New York anymore, and he comes back to Hartford. Eventually, he opens up a studio in Rockville on Union Street, opposite where Rockville Hospital is now, and would do um, exhibitions and sell his work. But he really had to, to sell his own work. Um, art historians think that his, the quality of his work changed in the early 20th century. The, the colors of his, his art, is, they're kind of muddy, the details are murky, the compositions are dull, the light is lackluster, um, the canvases are not great in, uh, for quality, but he used good quality paint. It almost sounds like you're painting kind of a picture of the beginning of the end. Is it because he was losing interest? Was he not getting the money that he used to get? They don't really know. They, he could have had vision problems. Uh, he could have been dealing with poverty, uh, sorrow. He's starting to lose members of his family. His parents pass away. His sisters are, his sisters die. Um, by uh, 1918, he's pretty much all by him. He's by himself, and he's he's living in the family home. He um, still continued to have students. In fact, we have a lovely, uh, charming photograph taken in 1911 at his studio for his birthday party. And he is surrounded by his students, and they've got uh, the ceilings festooned with garlands, and there's balloons. Um, he always thought of himself as an artist, even in the last census that he was that he participated in, he wrote, him, he wrote his occupation as artist. So no matter what hard times were hitting him, that's still what he liked to do. He remained true to his craft. That was it. That's how he saw himself. Um, you know, it was, it was hard for him in later years to make a go of it, except of outside of Rockville. Um, he would um, sell his work to within Rockville. Wealthy families would purchase it as well as middle-class families would purchase his art. His reputation in the community 
was mixed. I mean, some people called him professor or mister, or they used racial epithets. When he was selling his work from door to door, sometimes he was made to go to the back door and servants would handle the sale. He would offer to do odd jobs if he could not sell his art. But he did have devoted students who would climb the hill for their lessons. Some people visited Porter to practice their French. He encouraged talented young people to pursue art. Children remembered watching him paint. And this is a lovely quote. A former Fox Hill neighbor recalled visiting him as a child at his studio and at his home. Quote, he was very kind to us children, always greeting us with a smile, always welcoming. We were very poor, but nothing like Mr. Porter. The inside of his house was barren with almost no furniture, but his paintings were on the wall and I remember them. I think this is a powerful image of Porter surrounded by the art that defined him. Gene, believe me, I do. I hate to say it sounds like he's a starving artist, but I do respect this story because he set out to do the craft. He didn't necessarily care, it seems to me, whether or not he became rich or whether his house was full of gold or anything like that. He just loved art. He wanted to make something of himself because nobody else in his family at that point in time had really done so. Right. Well, you know, it was a struggle for him. You know, he did the best he could. He remained active in his church and, um, and within his family that remained in town. Um, he died in 1923 at home and was, it's buried in Grove Hill in the family plot. And he is surrounded by his family in Rockville and also by friends and neighbors. Um, there's a wonderful quote from a letter that Charles Porter wrote to Mark Twain. When uh, Porter was wanting to go to France, he raised money by selling his paintings, but he also got support from people in Hartford. And Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens, wrote a letter of introduction, and Porter wrote back to him kind of updating how he was doing. And one of the things he wrote was, quote, now I am aware that there are a goodly number of my Hartford friends and others who are anxious to see how the colored artist will make out. But this is not the motive which impresses me. There is something of more importance. The colored people, my people, as a race, I am interested in. And my success will only add to others who have already shown wherein they are capable, the same as other men. That's how he, he lived out his life. As, as you said, Morgan, he did kind of fall into obscurity. Um, after he died, there really wasn't too much mentioned about him that I can see in the, in the papers. Um, Periodically, people people in town that had porters, you know, just had them on the wall, and it was just a thing. He did teach a lot of technique to a lot of people who then um, his students, we have some paintings that his students have, families have left to us and everything, and there definitely you can see the influence. Um, but in 1987, Helen Fuskis from the Connecticut Gallery mounted an exhibit of Porter, and she also prepared a book that detailed research that she had done into Porter's life with color plates from the uh, different paintings that she could locate. And this all of a sudden created a new interest in Porter. Um, and then the subsequent book that came out by Hildegard Cummings about 20 years later, built on Helen Fussig's research. So now there is renewed interest in Porter, and I think people are looking at his story and recognizing the kind of struggles that he did and the appreciating the art that he created. 
Gene Luddy of the Vernon Historical Society. Of course, Gene, you did your own class on Charles Ethan Porter, the homegrown hero in Vernon, so to speak, of the art world from the late 1800s, early 1900s. How many people attended that program? We had very good attendance at the meeting um, in January. I also did this program for Art Center East last April, and that was well attended. Um, I think in the last 10 years, we have been getting queries from various um, scholars. We had uh, Cynthia Hawkins, who got her doctorate, wrote her thesis on um, Charles Porter and compared him to several other artists of color and looked at the kinds of work that he did and the kinds of work that these other artists did. So um, people are looking at Porter in different ways and trying to figure out, you know, get a sense of him as an artist and as a person. Unfortunately, he's very elusive. We don't have a lot of, of documents, letters, and things from him. He, um, he never married and, his, and never had children. His um, sisters moved out of town and I don't think there were any relatives in town when he died. Um, and it's just hard to know if there's any papers in any, with any family members. We, we are hopeful that things will pop up, but there is, there is renewed interest in him from the scholarly community. In recent years, I don't know how many years, uh, define recent, a few years, has anything popped up of Charles Ethan Porter's and it's made you go or someone else go, wow, that's a porter. Right after the first exhibit in 1987, I think people went back in Rockville and looked at their walls and like, ooh, that could be a porter. You know, so, um, so there was kind of a flurry of interest at that point. After all this talk, Gene, Gene Luddy of the Vernon Historical Society, I'm curious, and it's just me being nosy, do you own a porter? I do not, no. If a show like PBS's Antique Road Show or maybe American Pickers on the History Channel, if one of those shows were to come to town and the Antique Road Show folks were in Middletown not too long ago, would a porter be likely to show up? I don't know. I, I, he's been kind of known for a while now, so that, you know, but then again, people find things in the attic and they got it at a garage sale. I mean, they, they could still show up. I think I learned that he had quite a few paintings that they know of, like 200 paintings, but only 100 are have been authenticated. So they could be out there. Wow, that's really not a lot. No, that's it. You know, and he uh, he certainly did, ex he did shows in Rockville. He had shows in Springfield. So, you know, it's, uh, who knows? If he spent that time in Paris and other parts of France, would any of those paintings possibly be over there? It could be. He, he was very good friends with a gentleman named Gustav Hoffman, who would sometimes go down. He was younger than Porter, one of his students, and he would sometimes go down to Florida, and Hoffman would sometimes take paintings down. So Porters could show up down in Florida because Hoffman would sell his work going down the East Coast. So uh, you know that uh, it, it could be. I've really been fascinated by our conversation. These little stories about Connecticut, there are so many of them. There are so many unsung heroes from within our state, and Charles Ethan Porter is just one of them. Charles Ethan Porter, an artist from Vernon, and Gene Luddy, our guest from the Vernon Historical Society. Gene, kind of as our wrap-up question, here it is, 2023. Charles Ethan Porter died 100 years ago, 1923. What is the lesson that he gives us today? How would he want us to remember him 100 years later? As a young boy, Charles Porter knew he had a talent, and his family nurtured it, 
and but then he had to be the one to persevere so he was able to raise enough money to go to art school which for a, a man of color was highly unusual he worked very hard to create art to sell art to teach people art and was able to dis get himself to France in the 1880s so he went to continue his art education and build um, strengthen his skill as an artist then when he came back he still kept creating the art and for the rest of his life even though it wasn't easy for him and later on when he fell on hard times he still enjoyed making the art and um, enjoyed teaching it so I think in in his later years he was proud of himself having to do that he was an artist and he was an artist from his beginning and when he died he was an artist so he left a legacy of endurance and being true to himself. There she is, ladies and gentlemen, and what a stimulating conversation it was with Gene Luddy of the Vernon Historical Society going over the history of Charles Ethan Porter. Next week, it's all about Hosmer Mountain Soda. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham.